Great to see you this morning. You're having a great morning in church? Ah, so good. Let's give it up for these guys. I didn't get to be a part of the praise and worship, but I'm sure it was awesome. All right. Well, good to be with you this morning. This is obviously uh, my first time uh, ever coming out uh, to this campus. Um, usually when I come out, I'm over in um, Warner. And then, uh, what's Redcliffe's the other one, right, Jack? There you go. So, so nice to meet you. <laughs> And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, I'm Brad, and my wife Alison and I, we're the senior pastors of Horizon Church down in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney, and uh, we're a multi-site church, uh, branching interstate as well, and so God's been very, very kind to us. Uh, if you're wondering my nationality, who, who's wondering my nationality, anyone? I'm definitely, I'm not from Sweden, so I was born in South Africa, there you go. Any South Africans in the house this morning? Uh, special prophecies for all those people this morning. There you go. So good. But uh, I came to Australia when I was, when I was pretty small and uh, obviously grew up over here. So, and uh, my wife and I have been married, I think, 26 years or there. I, I know I look 22. It's amazing, right? So the anointing keeps you young. Amen. And uh, I've got two kids. My, my daughter is first year uni. And my son is 16, and he's year 10, and he's a mad basketball player. So we drive the state, going to basketball courts. He plays basketball in New South Wales. He's six foot three, so my height. He's 16, so he's got a little bit of growth left in him, I think. My brother's six foot seven, so you never know. He make it, may make us all rich and make it to the NBA, which would be awesome. Amen. <laughs> All right, well, it's so good to be with you this morning, and uh, we're going to get straight into God's Word today. So if you have your Bibles, could you please turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Someone forgot their communion cup. Who does this belong to? Jack, that's yours, mate. There you go, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read from verse 17. When you've got it, can I have a good amen? Amen. All right, it says, by faith, everyone say by faith. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him. Who's ever been tested before? Uh, Nobody. Who's ever been tested before? You live long enough, you know what it's like to go through a test. It says, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Verse 18, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac, that your offspring will be reckoned. And turn with me, if you can, let's read the actual story. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to read from verse 1. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 says, Some time later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Uh, Today I want to preach a message called By Faith, By Faith. Now, I do need to say that I'm not advocating child sacrifice today. And if that has gone through your mind then there's a special place for people who think that way or attempt to go in that direction in their lives. It is called jail. So 
but we will go through it, see what God wants to do. Now, you know the story. Abraham and Sarah had been waiting for a child for many, many years. And eventually, God gives to them a son, and his name, of course, is Isaac. God asks Abraham to do something that really we would consider absolutely unreasonable and incomprehensible, and that is to sacrifice his son. Now, how many of you know Abraham is in a crisis? He's in a crisis on a number of levels. Firstly, he's in an obedience crisis because God asked him to do something, and when God asks you to do something, we are to obey. And the difficulty is that in the previous chapter, God said to him that it would be in Isaac that his seed will be called. But now God is saying to him, go and sacrifice your son. Not only is he in an obedience crisis, he's in a family crisis because there's no record of him ever having a conversation with his wife, Sarah, that he's about to go and sacrifice their son. Because how many of you know, mums, that if Abraham went to Sarah, she would have said to him, not before I kill you. Amen. He's in a social crisis. What's everybody going to think? They're all going to think that I've lost my mind. Who does this? And he's also in an emotional crisis. The reason why he's in an emotional crisis, well, it's, it's obvious it's his son. But the Word of God actually gives us an extra clue as to why he's in an emotional crisis. Have a look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. It says, take your son, your only son. This is his only son. And watch what it says. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Now, when God says that you love something, you love something. God said, the son that you love. And in fact, this is the first time in the Bible that the word love actually appears. So God says, that son that you love, I'm now asking you to sacrifice him. I want you to imagine the pain that Abraham's feeling. Imagine the stress, the anxiety. Talk about anxiety. This is anxiety right here at its best. And the Bible gives us a clue as to the depth of their relationship because in Genesis 22, the word son is used on multiple occasions just in one chapter, verses 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 12, 13, 16, 16. How many of you know this is his son? And now God says, I want you to sacrifice him. Have you ever been at a place in your life where God has given to you a promise, but everything seems to then go in reverse? You have a belief that God's going to heal you, that God's going to restore a damaged relationship, a friendship in your life. Maybe there's a circumstance of some sort where God actually gave to you a promise, maybe a child a son or a daughter who's not walking with God and you get this promise from God and it seems as though everything goes in the opposite direction. And it's amazing when you look at 
sometimes how God works in our lives and through our lives, that we seem to get a promise from God, but then there's this reversal. It seems as though God reveals, God reverses, and then eventually God actually seems to restore. Uh, Let's follow the story. Genesis chapter 22, verse 3, it says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. I want you to notice how long the journey was. This was a three-day journey. Now, remembering, Abraham didn't own an iPhone. Neither did he have a Samsung Galaxy. This man had nothing to distract his thoughts. No Facebook, no Instagram, no TikTok. He's got nothing except his thoughts and his son. This is anguish at the highest level. When God asks you to give up something that you dearly cherish, and he says, place it on the altar. Sometimes God can do that with our finances, our generosity. He says, I want you to place that on the altar and give it to me. Sometimes God can ask you to do something that requires a level of obedience and sacrifice that is like, whoa, that's heavy, Lord. I've been a pastor long enough to know that for some of you, the very fact that you are here in church this morning is a sacrifice because of anxiety, stress, meeting people you don't know. Some people have social anxiety in this day and age. Just the very fact that you came here was a sacrifice, but I'm glad you did because you made a decision to say, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to be in the presence of God. Some of you have been up all night with a child who didn't want to sleep and hasn't slept for the last 300 years. (laughs) At least that's how it feels, right? But you made a decision to sacrifice and say, I am here. Some of you have a husband who at this point in time, not yet, not walking with God. And you're here on a Sunday morning, sacrificing, giving God your absolute best. Some of you maybe have not walked with God or once We're in a relationship with God, run away, been tough times, because life is hard on the wrong side of the road, but you're here and you said, I'm making a decision to go to church. Now, Abraham makes this decision to sacrifice. And I want you to notice something in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. It says, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, that is Isaac, and I will go over and worship. Now watch this. What does Abraham say? And we will come back to you. Now watch this. He didn't say, I will come back to you. What does he say? Come on now. We will come back to you. Now, Abraham, even though this is a sacrifice... Abraham has a resolute conviction that he doesn't understand 
what God has asked him to do. But in his heart, he's made a decision. We will come back to you. That is, Abraham is saying that I believe God gave me a promise and he cannot compromise his word. You've got a promise from God. And regardless of what it seems like at the time or what you're going through or how difficult it may be in the moment, you need to know God will not compromise His Word. And He has proven Himself to be faithful over and over again, generation after generation. He is faithful to His Word. So Abraham's saying, I've got a belief and I have an unswerving, resolute conviction. We, not I, we, that is the lad and I, we're coming back. I don't know what's going to happen on that mountain of sacrifice, but God is going to do something that we will come back. It's amazing when you go through these seasons where you don't understand what God is doing or what God is up to, why am I going through this? Why is that relationship so stressful? Why is this marriage that I'm in not doing so well? But God, you gave to me a promise. Why is my health going up and down? Why is it at this point in time that I don't, I'm not married yet, but God, you gave to me a word and Everything seems to be in reversal. And you're going through a season where it's like, but God, I'm sacrificing, I'm sacrificing, I'm sacrificing. I want you to know today, just like Abraham, hold on to the promise that God gave to you. Hold on to the word that God gave to you. I was 14 years of age when I was invited to a youth group. And in that youth group, I gave my heart to Jesus. I have an older brother, older sister, and I was the only person in my family to be a follower of Jesus. My older brother and sister, they were hitting the nightclubs, partying like it's 1999. And where was Brad? Going to youth group. (laughs) But I believe that one day that they would be saved. One day they would find Jesus as their personal friend. It took years Year after year, probably took more than 20 years for my family to make a decision for God. And everything seemed to be in contradiction. Like, how on earth is this going to happen? You know, and you kind of get to those emotional zones, you know, when you're at youth camp and you're like, God, I don't want to go to heaven if my family doesn't go to heaven, you know. And we pray and we believe and we hold on to the promises of God and God proves himself to be faithful if you hold on to the promise that he gave to you what's the promise what's the thing God said he would do in your life through your life with your life come on hold on to hope hold on to the promise that God has given to you now I want to show you something let's have a look The New Testament gives us a little bit of an insight into what was going on in Abraham's mind and heart at this time. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, we've read that already, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, who had embraced 
the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, contradiction, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Now, here's the verse, verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now, Abraham believed that even though this was about to happen, he concluded, come on now, stay with me now, any word people in the house this morning, concluding, he concluded, that is, he had a resolute conviction, a firm foundation, a firm belief that God was able to raise up Isaac even from the dead. But we got a problem. And do you know what the problem is? The problem is, what makes this verse difficult to understand is that from Genesis chapter 20, well, Genesis 1, excuse me, to Genesis 22, there are no resurrections. So where then did Abraham get this belief that God was able to raise him up from the dead, even though there had never been a resurrection? That is, your life is built on reference points. For example, tomorrow, you will go to the coffee shop that you like. Why? It's your reference point. It's where you know you get... You ain't going to that other one down the road that's dodgy. Why? You know which one you want to go to. That is your reference point. When you drive out of this car park, you'll know which way to turn. Which way is the best way for you to go to get home? Why? You have experience. You have a reference point. And so reference points in life tell us where to go to, what to do, what to expect, what not to expect. Your entire life is built on a reference point. You go to the roundabout, take the third exit. That's going to be the best way to get to your house. Because experience has told you where to go, what to do, what to expect. Now, for Abraham, he believed that God was able to raise up his son from the dead. But this brother had no reference point. So where then did he get that idea that God was able to actually do this? Come on, are you with me this morning? Watch this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, gives us a clue, and it says this, It was by faith that even Sarah, who was able to have a child, watch this, though she was barren and too old. So by faith, she's old, the womb had an inability to conceive because of her age. But what did Sarah have? She had faith. She believed that God would keep his promise. How good is that? Come on. Is that you this morning? Regardless, and she's old. Not only is she old, the Bible says she's barren. You you can be old, but maybe still have an ability to conceive. She's barren and old. But she believed that God, come on ladies, God would keep his promise. Now, it then tells us about Brother Abraham in verse 12. It says, so a whole nation came from this one man, 
Man, imagine the Bible describing you like this. That's a, that's a nice way of saying he's very, very old. This brother, he's as good as dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, not a nice way to describe someone. It's like, ah, oh, he's as good as dead. <laughs> you know, but watch this. She was barren and too old. Brother Abraham, he's like dead, dead. You know, he's alive, but he's almost there. He's, he's about to kick the bucket. So here's our question again. Where did Abraham get the reference point that he is the God who's able to bring dead things back to life, even though he'd never heard or seen or experienced that, given that our lives are built on points of reference? You see, Abraham realized something, that if God could take a barren and dead womb, and his own situation, let's just say the piping wasn't working too well for Brother Abraham, let's just call it for what it is. If God could do that for them, that is something, come on now, something that is impossible and make it possible, surely dead things, that is them, because the scripture says he was as good as Come on, he was as good as dead. dead things can be brought back to life. So Abraham held on to hope, even though he knew, I have to offer a sacrifice that seems like a letting go of something. The God that I serve, he can cause dead things to come back to life. Some of you have let go of your dream. And it's dead. Some of you have let go of hope. Your existence is day by day. And you're surviving. And really, you may be breathing right now, praise God. But deep down in your heart, you feel dead. Some of you are running because fear is grabbing a hold of you. And fear is causing you to run. It's causing you to run from relationships, trusting people trusting others. Fear is causing your life to shrivel up little by little and fear has this amazing ability to make us run from things but it's a race that you'll never win. And some of us this morning, deep down in our soul, things have died, feel lost and you feel hopeless. But we're here today to let you know even though you may feel estranged from the things that God had actually put in your heart perhaps years ago, God is able to cause dead things to come back to life. My dad, well, he, ain't, he was not going to become a Christian when I became a, a follower of Jesus. And he was the last one in our family to ever give his heart to God. So what happened was, I'm preaching in this service, right? And um, it was a smaller church. My mum and dad came to support, be a part of it. And, you know, my dad was, uh, grew up, he, he was in the building industry all his life. So, you know, he was a bit of a hardened 
kind of guy, you know, uh, hands like leather, you know, and, and that, that, that was his experience, that was his upbringing. So to, to worship, lift your hands, you know, he'd kind of be one of these people, he'd stand in church like this, whole service, you know. <laughs> I give a salvation call one day uh, and, and I see this brown kind of hand go up like this, you know. And I'm like, hold on, like, that's my dad's hand, you know. Because for more than 20 plus years, I prayed for his salvation that he would, dead, but God can cause dead things to come back to life. Well, I thought, you know what, I'm going old school Pentecostal here. Those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to make a bold step. See your hand. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat, come right down the front. I'm going 80s Assemblies of God. I'm praying for you this morning. So my dad was the only person in that service to give his heart to Jesus. And he came right down the front, prayed for him. Because, you know, my family wasn't like, you know, Brady Bunch. Everyone hugs each other every six seconds, you know. The way my dad showed his love was just by working hard for the family. So it wasn't, you know, you know, <laughs> my wife's family's like that. They talk to each other nine times a day. I talk to my family once every three weeks. Awesome. <laughs> my wife, she doesn't talk to her mum for at least four times a day. Something's wrong, you know. And then my dad gave his heart to Jesus because God can cause dead things to come back to life. You lost hope, lost dream, lost desire, Joseph, and you feel like you're in a prison, but God gave to you a promise. You feel as though there's things in your heart that God wants to do in your life and through your life, but it's dead. He's the God of the impossible and can cause dead things to come to life. Maybe today... You've lost a bit of hope. If I could have a keyboard player, that would be fantastic. You feel as though the dreams, the desires, the stirring, that Holy Spirit stirring in your heart that you had once to certain things, you've lost it. And you feel as though um, you're just in a good existence. That ain't God's best for your life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And life, come on. Life more abundantly. You're blessed. You're anointed. You're a world changer. You have great gifts. You have great talent. You have great ability. And you are anointed. Come on, for such a time as this. The world is yet to experience what God has on your life, through your life. Come on, they're yet to experience who you are, your authentic self, and what God wants to do through you that's you today and you're feeling as though this message is related to you you feel like man pastor brad it just feels like a reversal just like joseph god reveal reverses but guess what comes after a reversal a restoration moses 40 years as a prince in egypt then all of a sudden 40 years in a wilderness. Nobody knew his name. Nobody called him up. 
Nobody sent him a message on social media. In a wilderness, all on his own. 40, 40, guess what he did for the next 40 years of his life? God used him to be the leader of the children of Israel. God reveals, God reverses, God restores. The life of Jesus, man alive, a man who died, a man who was restored from the dead. Amen. Thank you.